the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician, Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark. Well, good morning, everybody. Four minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem, and for the next two hours, you're kind of stuck with me, but I got somebody flying wingman for me or with me, and it's my son, Alan. Are you awake yet? Yes. Okay. (laughs) It's a good thing. It's a good thing. The kids were up at five. Yeah. 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 You missed that. No, I was up at five. Yeah, but to go to the bathroom and go right back to bed. No, I didn't get out of bed, but I didn't go back to bed. All righty. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by Kurtz Auto Repair, I-17 and Bell. He's a good guy. And they have Jeff and Eric, and those are young bucks. But between the three of them, which are all three master technicians, they're pretty doggone good at what they do. They recently won the Better Business Bureau Ethic Award, and I think that sends, says a lot. They started in 1987. They've been around a long time. They work on domestic and import, both gas and diesel. They hate it when I say it, but if your weed eater doesn't run or your lawnmower doesn't run well, you can take it over there, and they'll help you get it fixed. <laughs> but anyway, Kurtz Auto Repair, I-17 and Bell, if you have a, if you live in that area and you don't have a shop, then go in and get an oil change there or something like that. Just take some minutes and uh, see how you like them and, and how they treat you and all that other kind of stuff. Okay, Alan's business has to do with diesels and performance and gas and suspensions and tires and exhaust and anything I miss. No. Um, we like to say aftermarket repair, maintenance of performance. Oh, okay. So I want to ask you some questions with respect to, oh, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. Lift kits. Mm-hmm. Um, you, what's the smallest one you do? Well, we can do, we can just, most of the time, most of the ones we do are just, just level, their level kit is what they are. And they just level the front truck, you know, the front of the truck just to make it even with the rear. So it's, the the nose is drooping, obviously drooping a little bit. And from so, the factory, yeah. From the factory. And so when, like you did on my truck, I think you brought mine up two inches. Yeah, or two and a half, something like that. Okay. Yeah. That just levels the truck out. Right. So after that, you have to adjust the headlights typically. Right. Okay. All right. And, and so. What's next? What's the smallest lift that goes? Uh, you can pretty much piece and part any size you really want together. I mean, I could do, you know, and then you can do different front and rear depending on what, you know, what you want. If you want the front up or the, or the front down or, you know, you can. Okay, so the inches. So we already know two is the bottom end. So yeah. what's the top end? I mean, no. you could go one if you want. No, no one usually does. But uh, front end, I mean, you can go anywhere up to 15 if you want. I mean, or, or higher. Uh, I, I typically we don't go over six or eight usually. Usually, okay. well, I know you had an Escalade in there the other day. What were you doing to that? That was brand new. No, that was a Denali. Pickup. Denali, yeah. Okay. Uh, lifted it. That one was a twelve inch. Okay. 
So when you get them up 12 inches, you've got to change brake lines? Uh, nope, not not typically. I think on this one, we no, I don't think we did. I don't think you have to. Okay. So all you're doing is stretching out the suspension. Does he still have the same amount of travel? So if in the stock arena he had four inches of up and down travel. Yes, yes. So you're going to have still the same kind of amount. Uh-huh. Okay. Are the springs going to be any different in the front than they were in the front? Um, there's no springs in the front. It's all torsion bar in the front. But um, it, it, it's going to ride basically the same. The only thing we change are really the shocks and then just uh, a bunch of hard parts. Okay. Now we're talking Chevy, Ford, and Chrysler and Dodge. Okay. So Chrysler and Dodge do have springs. Okay. Where the Duramax you know, doesn't have a spring unless you get to a half ton. Okay. What about Fords? Those are torsion bar or uh, springs? No, no, that's a spring, solid front axle. Okay, spring. so obviously you're changing out the springs. Uh-huh. Okay, so after you do this lift kit, is there anything else other than a headlight adjustment that you need to do? Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. Alignment and there's squaring up the drive shaft, make sure the drive shaft's, you know, straight. Uh, there's, you know, tire pressure stuff depending on wheels and tires. There's, um, you know, on all of these new trucks, they've got this sonar, the... the uh, for uh what do they call it uh, adaptive cruise control uh-huh. you, if that sensor you got to adjust that sensor which starts getting into the the hairiness of stuff um gm has their um you know their their review mirror cameras and their grill cameras that do the same thing so yeah i mean there's a lot of different stuff so you can adjust those yeah you can take the camera left or right or up or down uh-huh, or recalibrate it or whatever you need to do yep okay now let's talk about tire pressure Obviously, the tire pressure is going to be related to the load of the front axle and the rear axle. Right. And the, you're going to have to adjust the TPMS, the tire pressure monitoring system? If we change the tires, okay. I mean, ideally, you'd like to go, you know, 80 PSI for 80 PSI, but sometimes it's just not possible. So uh, you, you've just got to make sure it holds the same weight. And, and uh, if it's a, if you go from an 80 PSI tire to a 65 PSI tire, then you, you need to make sure that, uh, you know, all your weights are the same and everything. Okay, but will that mess up the TPMS? It's going to still read the 80-pound tires. In some cases, it will. Some cases, it won't. It just depends. Every vehicle's a little bit different. Can you change that number if you go into the computer? Um, can you change the PSI, the air pressure? Some, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes you can. Yeah, okay. it's, it's it's a little difficult, but yes, you can. Okay, so now after we've dressed the truck, we've lifted it. Now, the tire size, usually we go from low to high. Fill in the low and high. Oh, I don't know. These stock trucks have 31 to 33-inch tires. And That's tall. Tall. Okay. And uh, we'll go up to 35, 37, you know, 40, whatever. Okay. So 40 is like 10 inches on the top of the tire, 10 inches, or 5 on the top of the tire, 5 on the bottom of the tire? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's a big difference. Yeah, big difference. Okay. And the older trucks, couldn't we use a scanner or couldn't we use some aftermarket to change the diameter or the rotation of the tire? To, I mean, on my truck, my 2012, I was able to get my speedometer to read perfectly yeah. by a, by change going into the ABS module and changing the tire diameter, however they do it. Yeah. It's either circumference or diameter. Yeah, so, um, yeah sometimes. Uh, sometimes you can. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's harder. Sometimes it can't be done. Okay. Um, so, it, it, like I said, it just depends on, on, on vehicle. Okay. So Fords are pretty easy. And then, and then sometimes if you can do them, you can only go up to a certain to a certain number, uh, otherwise you'll start getting ABS, traction control, brake light codes, stuff like that. Okay. Now, I've seen you change a differential ring and pinion gears. Yeah. So when you get to a really big tire, you take, what, 373 gears out uh-huh. and put in? Uh, 488, 513, 538. 
456. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of different options. Okay. So not too long ago, you had a Jeep in there. Yeah. And did it, was it one of them that had a Hemi conversion? Uh, that one actually had a turbo. So it had a turbo on the OEM t- uh, yeah, engine? Yeah, 3.6, uh-huh. Okay, so you put a turbo on a 3.6? Uh-huh. Okay, you put big, huge tires on that? Yes. Okay, and you sh- wait, what tall were they? 40-inch. 40 40-inch, 40 and you took off what? Uh, 31 or 32, I believe. Okay, I so know, that's right a big on. difference. Yeah. But what's interesting is, is for, call it 32, okay? okay? You've got 8 inches of difference. Yeah. That's not 8 inches of height. That's only 4 inches. Because you got four inches on the top of the tire and four inches on the bottom of the tire. Yeah. With respect to a th- a, an eight-inch different tire. And that doesn't sound like much, but it's obviously a gigantic difference. Because you're also <laughs> adding, you know, four inches width and all kinds of other stuff. But, yeah, yes, okay. th- th- theoretically, that's the way it Because works. I find that a lot of guys think, okay, if the tire is eight inches taller than the other one, it's going to raise the, the truck eight inches off the ground. And it, that isn't the truth because there's four on the top and there's four on the bottom of the tire. So if the center of the wheel is at whatever, then we're only going to raise it four inches because there's four inches. Yeah, that four inches is on top of the lift kit, though, too. Keep that in mind. So if you do a 12-inch lift, you're 12 plus 4, so you're 16. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's a big difference right there. Okay. So other than that, um, I can speak to this. We don't do anything with the exhaust system on the newer model trucks at all. Can't, no. Right. And that's not anything we're going to do. It's against the law. Right. It's been against the law for how long? Well, ever since they came out, which I believe was 08. With cats. No. With oh, what cats. Yeah, I forgot about those. Yeah. Cats go back to like, uh, I think, uh, 04 and a half on the Duramax. Um, this is the diesels we're still talking yeah, about. Yeah, 04 and a half on the Duramax. On the uh, Ford, it was 04. Okay. And then on the Dodge, I think it was 04 and a half as well. So basically, you you know we don't mess with the exhaust if it's if it's two thousand or four or newer, two thousand five. Yeah, right. There's nothing to be done. Nope. Now I remember not too long ago there was a guy that had done a bunch of exhaust work himself, and then he got tangled up in ve- vehicle emissions, mm-hmm. and he had thrown away what he had taken off the vehicle. Yeah. What was the cost to him to go buy new stuff? Uh, I think it was around four thousand. It was. I, I I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. It's like he took it off in his garage at home. He probably cut it up and put it in the trash, or threw it in the trash, or went behind one of the grocery stores and put it in their cans. And then he finds out later that what he threw away is pretty expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And so, if we don't advocate that you change the exhaust, but well, on the you, older, yeah, t- legally you can't change the exhaust. But well, legally we can't change the exhaust for somebody else. Um, I don't know that, the, and I'm not a lawyer, and I don't care, but I'm not quite sure that the owner of the vehicle has the same responsibilities yeah, as we yeah, do. Yeah, I don't know about that. So not, we're not saying that you should. It seems to me that the ad, the the advantage of some of these trucks and changing the exhaust is you can see it, you can feel it, but it's not like the letting the monster out of the cage that many people think it is. Mm. I. I disagree. The 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 little exposure that I've had with people that brought theirs in, it's been a completely different truck. Okay. I would say number one thing would probably be reliability, though, because ninety nine percent of the stuff that we see with all these newer trucks is all emissions related. Oh, I agree with you there, and that goes really back to the DEF. What in two thousand twelve? Uh, eleven. Okay. Eleven and Dodge and twelve. Yes, okay. uh, thirteen. Thirteen and Dodge. Yeah. Okay. Because mine's a 12. It doesn't have DEF. Yours I drove the last year, yeah, of yeah. the Dodge. 
and I went all the way to Pittsburgh, I think, to buy the truck yeah, because some, it was the last one in the world. It was red, and that's yeah. what I wanted. So, and then there's all, all kinds of other stuff that a lot of performance shops do. Window tints. Uh-huh. Um, they do. Uh, they take out the headlights, which is what kind of headlight? What are they going to be? Uh, HIDs? Uh, no, usually they're halogen. If we're going to change them, we don't usually change them out if they're LED or HID. We just uh, we'll, we'll do. Uh, uh, we only upgrade them if they're a hal- if they're a halogen or incandescent. Okay, and so we're, f- from there, what's the next level? Mm, uh, HID or LED just depends on. Okay, what does my truck have? Uh, LED. Okay, well I know that that light you put on the other day, which yeah. was this curved light that fits inside the mouth of the bumper perfectly. Yeah. What's that? Rigid. Rigid. Yeah. Rigid light. Uh-huh. Now, what's the difference there? What's what the difference was before was is there was only about four inches of a different kind of light assembly on the outside yeah, of each of them. Yeah, we're talking about off-road, um, uh, you know, off-road auxiliary lighting, so adding to the factory lights. Okay. Yeah, you, we took off a 28 flat Okay. that had dual optics in it, so it had a driving optic and then it had a spot optic. Yeah. And we took it out and we did a 40-inch radius, and the radius obviously encompasses more of a... Uh, Half circle. Yeah, 60 degrees or whatever it is, and... Um, and that goes to a, a spot optic, but it's 60 degrees of spot optic, and it's just phenomenal. Well, and, and and then the first one you talked about, it had pretty good left and right. Yeah. lots. But the front was just a tunnel of white light yeah. that no matter how you adjusted the light, it was 40, 50 feet tall. Right. You could drive from Payson down here, and as you went around a corner, you could light up the mountain against. And I just thought it was too tall. Yeah. And so I liked the side, but what you gave me was you gave me really good sides, left and right. But that tunnel, or not tunnel, but the light in front is squeezed way down, top and bottom. Yeah. But it still has the broad um, spread on it, and not as long as the first one. No, it's not. The first one was, I could come off at mile marker 238, and I could sh- turn on that high beam if nobody was in front of me or coming at me, and I could see almost two mile markers. Yeah. Yeah, and it's so, yeah. That one's th- those the optics on the old ones. They they're for those guys that are doing like 160 miles an hour across the desert, you know, racing. Mm-hmm. Um, that they want to see a cow that's uh, you know a half a mile up um, because they're going so fast. So we just don't need that. We don't go that fast. So the one that you've got now is is much better suited. My but Dodge, it also wasn't available when we did the first one. So my Dodge does that. Don't don't say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and and one last thing, that, that tall 40 footer. Um, I looked. I looked it up, and and the guys that are going really down, really far, that forty footer would shine on the upside of the hill that they're coming on. So they have the down and the up. And when they get to the top of the hill, they still have the down, and of course the up is shining up in the sky. But those people are going up and down in huge whoops and right. stuff like that. So that tall light makes a difference. Yeah. Alrighty. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine sixty. Any kind of car question. Repairs, tires, wheels. Um, Aftermarket stuff, performance lighting. stuff. I love, I love my lighting. It's All my right. favorite. Yeah, if so. you if you want to take, <laughs> if you think that the change between yellow um, incandescent headlights and the new LEDs, it's a difference. Literally, I mean, literally, night and day. You can just light up. But we're gonna when we come back, we're gonna discuss how we how we're different. Um, how his idea is quite different than mine. So we'll be back right after this. Phoenix Body Works is a family-owned and operated collision repair facility that opened in 1982. 
That's over 35 years ago, helping family and friends with their collision repair needs with unparalleled honesty, integrity, and quality. We have grown into the finest collision repair facility in the Valley of the Sun. We are located on 19th Avenue, one half block north of Deer Valley Road. We're open Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. and on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 12 noon for estimates. Give us a call at 623-582-1434 or visit our website at www.phxbodyworks.com, view our YouTube video, or read our Yelp reviews. Remember, it's your vehicle, and you decide who repairs your vehicle, not the insurance company. We work with all insurance companies on your behalf and eliminate the stress of dealing with the repairs. We are not beholden to the insurance company. At Phoenix Body Works, we work for you. Let's face it, you can throw a rock and hit an AC company here in the Valley. And we all sell cold air in a box. So how do you know that you're working with a good company? Hi, it's Chris Funk again with Cool Touch Air Conditioning and Heating. You see, it's easy to be a good company when things are going well. But you really find out what kind of company you're working with when things don't go as planned. Are you having to hunt for them? Or maybe not able to get them back out to make things right? In our 17 years at Cool Touch, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that we've never made a mistake. What I can tell you is, if things don't go as planned, you won't be having to look for us. At Cool Touch, we'll be there, doing whatever it takes to make things right. You have my word on that. Right now we're offering a $49 tune-up special for the Patriot listeners. You can reach us at 602-923-9600. That's 602-923-9600. Or find us on the web at cooltouch.us. Kick back and relax. We'll keep you cool. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. Every child deserves to have access to books because children who grow up with books invariably do better in life than children who do not. How do I choose a book? Is it the cover? Uh, yeah, some, I guess, you know, it's sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual, so it's a combination of those two. The first book I remember was Captain's Courageous. When I finished that book, I had become so involved with these characters. So here's the thing. If a book's really, really impressing me and the writing is really, really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the ends, the endings of books, if it's really, really well done, that ending, that last thought should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Welcome back, everybody. 22 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. Alan Salem, Mark Salem, and uh, Alan's into performance, aftermarket, what else? Window tinting, electric steps, diesels, gas, air controls, um, uh, what else? Towing help. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Towing help. Yeah, you know, people need... You know, more power for towing or better hitch or airbags <laughs> oh, or... Oh, so there's a reason for somebody to need more power. Yeah. Okay, I saw a truck in there the, the other day that wanted more power. He didn't even have a trailer hitch on the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so they come up with a lot of the different excuses. I see. Blackwell Automotive is at 40th and Greenway on the north of Greenway. He's been around a long time since 1987, and I've known him for that long. Tom's a good guy. He knows cars. He works in the shop himself. One of the things that he does that I don't know anybody else that does and does as well is old cars. 
it's not uncommon for somebody to bring in an old car that they had when they were a kid and have Tom take it to any level they want to pay for. So if they want to do, hey, it starts and runs, that's one thing. And if they want, is this car needs to point nine ninety out of a thousand in a national car show, he can do that as well. But he does oil changes and everything else on older cars, on newer and older cars. So Blackwell ASC certified technicians, 40th Street, just north of Greenway, good guy. Okay, we were talking about a lot of different stuff with respect to performance and lighting and stuff, but you and I disagree on a lot of things. But we disagree most. Uh, one of the big things is is when you put a big light on the front of a vehicle, how do you wire it? Uh, we'll usually wire it to a separate switch. Okay. And to its own switch. Okay, and I don't like that because this is what I, uh, this is how I think. When I got my high beams on, there's nobody in front of me going the same way and nobody coming against me, right? Same way with you and same way with everybody else. Right. So I hook mine, as you well know, I hook mine into a relay and I trigger it off the high beams. So when I go to high beams, I get everything I got in the front end. So I've got the... No. F- what do you mean? What don't I have? Well, your fog lights shut off for one thing. Okay. Yeah, but the fog lights are like two candles next to an it's, airplane run at you know landing light. They're they're bright and you shut them off. Okay, and when and there's a lot of trucks too that only have low like LED low beams. So when you shut them off, they switch back to halogen. I don't like that. Okay. I want to be able to use my light during the day, anytime I want, all the time, whenever I want. If someone you know crosses into my lane on a two lane road, you can flip that thing on and. Without having to flip the headlights on, then flip the high beams on, and yada, yada, Oh, yada. in the day, I don't ever use mine in the day. That's the I, difference between well, you and I. I. I don't either, but there'd be no reason to. But I'm saying, you get some guy crossing over into your middle lane or something, you... You just turn it on, on and yeah. off. Yeah, serious retinas. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's not a nice thing to say. I'm going to have to talk to your mother about that. The performance aspect, though, it is kind of fun because you can take a truck and fix it up for somebody that really is proud of it. Mm-hmm. Tires and wheels and lift kits and um, fa- you know fancy air cleaners and air filters and air intake systems. What else is there? What else do they do? Uh, we do a lot of lighting, you know, suspension, wheels, tires. Um, lighting is a good way to make your truck, you know, unique. Um, Trying to think what else. I mean, there's just... Well, the, like other performance shops, we also do major repairs on diesels. Oh, yeah. So Ford, we work on Fords a lot. That's the majority of our work, yeah. And then then the Chevrolet, or the, the Power um, uh, Duramax, and then we've also got the the, uh, the Dodges. Yeah. So what's the biggest motor we work on? What's What motor dominates a lot of our time that's a really big piece of crap? Well, the 6.0 Ford is our biggest one. Okay, the six four Ford six. Uh, no, it's not much better. So the six four is not much better than the six zero. No, I mean it, no. It no. is better, yeah. but it's yeah. slightly better. Yes, the six seven though has come out to be a, a really good motor. Yeah, it's been really been really solid so far. Now, so that's three steps. Well, actually, they had the seven three, and that's still a good motor. Very good motor. And those guys are getting what they paid for those trucks almost. Yes, they and, are. And that seven three was a monster from the very beginning. Yeah. And it can be made to a double monster if that's what somebody wants to do. Yep, the very six, reliable. The next generation on the Ford uh, Power Stroke was the 6-liter. That thing was garbage. <laughs> garbage. And and the, and the resale value of those trucks reflects that the motor is such a, uh, uh, 
Yeah. Such a bad motor. The yeah. 6.4 is a little better than the 6 liter, but it's not perfect. But the 6.7 Ford is is as close to perfect as they've been since the 7.3 and the 90s. Yep, yep. Okay, on the Dodge, it's only been 5.9 and 6.7. Right, which is the same motor, basically. But the, but both of those motors have been bulletproof. The yeah, 5.9 oh, yeah, and the 6.7. Yeah, they're real good. Real good. Okay. Then we got the, Dur- the, the uh, Duramax. Duramax. I just get... The Duramax, and that's been a 6.6 since day one. Yep, since 2001. Okay. And that's really, how often do we open one of those up to do major motor work? No, we don't do, not not much. Okay, not it's much. very little. And it's got the best transmission of all three of them because it's got that Allison. Yeah. So if you were going to make the best diesel truck out there, what motor would you start with? Let's start with the Cummins. 6.7. Yeah. Okay, what transmission well, are we going to... Six seven. I mean, it depends. The six seven comes with all the emissions BS. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, ideally, you'd like to start with a five nine if you could. Okay. So you could enhance the turbo boost from what eight ten pounds to thirty or forty pounds. No, probably twenty to as much as you want. Twenty to twenty five, up to fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, hundred, whatever you want. Okay, whatever you want to pay for. Yeah. All right. So you take the, that five nine and you tune it up. And so what transmission are you going to use? You're going to use the new Dodge? No, no. You're going to use the the Allison. Allison? Yeah. Okay, so that's off the Chevrolet. Uh-huh. Okay. And the running gear is the same. It's Dana front and rear on just about all of them, right? No. Okay. No, it's a no. The GM and the Dodge are the same and the, but then the GM has the IFS front 9 and a quarter. Okay. So no. And then the Dodges and Fords, I can't remember what they have in the front. The I don't remember what they have in the front. Okay, I don't. I, I I think it is independent suspension on the front. No, not on the oh, Dodge and the Fords. Okay, so mine's a straight axle. Yes. Okay. All right. See, you guys. I don't even had. I've. I don't. I don't even know that question on the truck that I own. Yep. All righty. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine sixty. If you have any kind of car question or any kind of car problem, anything. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine sixty. Working on cars is a lot of fun. Everybody. At, most of the good guys out there will find a niche for themselves. Most of the shop owners I know really excel on one thing or the other. And in reality, if there's 10 on the menu, you can excel in three or four of them. But you're not likely to be somebody that can go from zero to 10 and do everything in the middle. The idea is is there's lots of young men that open shops and are gone after years. So you want to make sure you're dealing with somebody who's been around a long time and maybe has gray hair. We'll be right back. Did you know Rain Tree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes-Benz for their repairs? Andy Val, the dad, and his sons, Tom and Paul, operate Rain Tree Auto Body in North Scottsdale. They've been around since 1972. Sure, they fix Kias and Hondas and Chevys and Fords, but they are rated the best for their ability to correctly repair the Mercedes-Benz. Remember, Rain Tree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes-Benz for their repairs. They have a machine called the Select Bench. It's the same jig they assemble your car on. Raintree can put your car back to its pre-loss condition with 100% accuracy. Raintree Auto Repair is a BBB member with a plus rating. Raintree Auto Repair provides free estimates and they'll give you a lifetime warranty on all paint and bodywork. They use the best glasserate paint and it's waterborne paint so it has no environmental effect. For more information, stop by RaintreeAutoBodyInc.com. 
This is the Terminator. Listen to America's money ace of the airways, Victoria McVeigh, here at 960 The Patriot. She's smart, savvy, and a serial entrepreneur. So grab your wine, whiskey, or Perrier and come play with Victoria McVeigh on Sundays at 8 p.m. She'll have you saying hasta la vista, baby, to your financial dismay. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. (laughs) I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, another if you've got high blood pressure, if you're overweight, raise another finger, two if you're very overweight, and three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio pre-diabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Okay, Simon, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. And what do people normally wear? Clothes. Exactly. So now Mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Clothes keep us warm, they look good, and if we go out without them, the neighbors will talk. So it's important to know how to get dressed. Here's how it's done. Underwear always comes first, name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole, or you have to start all over. If you're wearing a tie, it goes over, round, round, through, and pull tight. Tuck your shirt into your pants and zip up your fly. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you're left with bunny ears. I love bunnies. Good to know. Now remember, spots don't go with stripes, socks don't go with sandals, and if you've tucked in your shirt, wear a belt. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. What if I could tell you that a full-blown wildfire was going to occur tomorrow right where you live? Tell you exactly which neighborhoods it would engulf and how fast it would do it. The first thing you would do is talk with your loved ones and make a plan today. It's true. I can't tell you a wildfire will strike tomorrow. But shouldn't you make a plan anyway? Visit azein.gov and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by DEMA, FEMA, and the Ad Council. All about that demon automobile, the metal monster. Welcome back, everybody. 34 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem. Sitting here next to me is Alan, my son, my, my only son and my oldest kid. And he's certainly... A kid at heart. Oh, yeah. I can tell you that just sitting here. Automatic Transmission Exchange has been in the Phoenix area since 1968. As I've said before, Phil and his staff are transmission diagnostic experts. Phil was around when Barney Rubble used to drive his car with rock tires. Phil's been around since the beginning of transmissions, and he understands that the fundamentals are the same 
we can change the gears using vacuum, using uh, pressure, using electronic solenoids, and that's the transition that he's been able to understand and fix because he understands the fundamentals of transmissions. He's at 40th Street in Washington. If you go up and down Washington, you're going to see on the north side of the road, you're going to see it, and you're going to recognize that that's the transmission shop that everybody in Phoenix should try, and he'll drive your car for free, or one of his guys will. And if you can make it happen, then uh, that's that's a step in the right direction. Automatic Transmission Exchange, 40th Street in Washington. Sam, good morning to you. How can we help you? Oh, hi. Good morning. I've got a 95 Chevy Astro van, and I replaced the inner left wheel bearing uh, last week. But when I put the bearing in, I just found something to tap it in with because uh, I replaced the race also. Drove out the old one and put in a new one. But I only put it in even or flush with the surface I was driving to because I did not know that it was supposed to go lower. So when I put the wheel back together and started tightening up the the nut to to put the cotter pin in, I was off like maybe 316. So I just kept my ratchet. I had a torque wrench, and it was set at like 25 pounds, I think. And I was just turning and turning and saying, well, what the heck's going on? I kept going, and finally it pulled it in where I could get that cotter pin, and I torqued it to 25 pounds, then backed it off, and then hand-tightened it, and then, you know, backed it off until the cotter pin fit. Now, would, would that still be good, or do I need to pull that off and re-speed that uh, race? Well, I think, if you think about the, the, the inner on the, on the left or the right side, when you turn a 90-degree right, you're going to load the outer on the left side, and the inner on the right side because of the weight of the car shifts left. When you turn left or right, then the weight of the car shifts left, and then when you turn the other way, and that's a right turn, you're going to load the inner one that you just replaced and the outer one on the other side. So if I were you, I'd get on the freeway, and I'd find one of those clover leaves, and I would do a you know, 50, 60 mile an hour, whatever the speed limit is, left gradual turn, and then find one for a right gradual turn. And if there's no yeah, 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 then you did fine. Yeah, well, I don't hear any noise at all. And I drive 20 miles one way, and I go through Durango Curve to work and Durango Curve back to home. So okay. that's basically done that. And it, it's fine. There's no noise, no whine, no anything. So. Okay, and then you, you didn't hurt anything. I'm, the, 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 what you learned is is you need to look how deep that bearing seated in the hub. And if, yeah. you do, if you didn't look at it at the beginning, then what you do is is you go, oh, I forgot. Then you just look at the ring on the hub before you put the bearing in, and then you're going to be able to see where the bearing stopped. You're going to see right. the grease on the outside of, of the hub where you're pressing it in. But, no, you know, everybody's done what you've done. I mean, you're speeding Tip- along. Typically, there's a stop, though. Oh, that, no, there is. Yeah, so typically you push it until it stops, and, and, and that, right. just, that forces it to, get, to stay flat. Until That's assuming it, that he has a press. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, there's been times in 39 years where we had a technician put a hub in a press, and he'll just blow that thing apart because he doesn't think the bearing's seated, and it really is seated. Right. So Mark pays for a new hub and a new bearing. But if you, the Drango curve is the, is the home run. Sure. Because you're curving to the right one way, and you're curving to the left the next. So you, no noise. Right. It's, you're done. That's it. Okay. All righty. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. 
Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Those are mistakes that people make, but you and I both know that technicians, no matter how old they are, they still make mistakes like that. Oh, yeah. It, it oh, happens. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a mistake made that costs us money, um, you know, three, four, or five times a year. Yeah. And at, at least that many at least times. That, yeah. So it uh, it makes a big difference. 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. If you have a car question, a new truck, an old truck, a new diesel, an old diesel, um, stuff like that. What's the boost, the stock boost? So the turbocharger forces air into the motor. So normally the motor just sucks air in. It's kind of like this. If you suck air into your mouth, okay, that's a normally aspirated motor. Right. If we take the tail end of a of a of a vacuum cleaner and and when you go like that, we take the tail end of the vacuum cleaner, the exhaust of the vacuum cleaner, and stick it in your mouth. Yeah. And so now you're you're no longer a normally aspirated engine. So it's called forced induction. Forced induction. We're going to force air into the motor instead of allowing the engine to just suck air into the motor. And we do that with turbochargers and and superchargers. We don't really have a lot of turbo problems, ex- let me guess now, unless we've got Grandpa Jones driving the truck and doesn't ever put it to the floor and doesn't ever really run it hard like he stole it. Yeah, we've seen a lot more uh, turbo issues with the late model stuff because they run that, you know, with the EGR, the exhaust gas, yeah, part of the emission stuff, they pump it back through that turbo. And a lot of these turbos have variable geometry, so they, they open up and, and close the the, the veins uh, based on engine speed and RPM, and those get gummed up from the EGR going back through it. So, yes, it, in in short, you, you need to drive it like you stole it. But it, um, but yeah, we see a lot of see a lot of turbo issues. Okay, now the turbo veins. Let's put it in the in the in the respect of an airplane propeller. Yeah. So the airplane propeller, the if the blades are just flat, right, then it's not moving any air. Right. But as we twist the blades, then all of a sudden that that motor is sucking some big time air. Right. It's biting bigger. Yep. So when do we cl- how do we clean out the EGR trash and which motors is all three of them feeding yeah. EGR? Uh-huh. Okay. How do we clean the trash out of them? Uh, there's not really a good way yet. I mean, they uh, most of the time it's replacing the turbo or disassembling the turbo to do that. There's not really a good way to do it. Well, there are some stuff in the aftermarket that you can supposedly spray into the intake. But here's what bothers me about that. We have all kinds of heavy-duty carburetor cleaners and brake cleaners and all kinds of chemicals. And we can. there are times we can pull the turbo out and look inside of it, and we can t- take the air hoses off of it. But none of that stuff really works. So what about exhaust brake? Can you exercise and clean up on it? When, when you activate the exhaust brake, it kind of plugs up the turbo, and, and, it, and it changes the veins, and that creates a in the diesel kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, theoretically, yes, but I've not seen a correlation between someone. I mean, I, I get people in there with, you know, uh, stuck VGTs with 30,000 miles that use their VGTs. Variable geometry turbine. Okay, turbos. Turbo. Okay. But... Um, I've seen people that use their 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 uh, exhaust brake 100 percent of the time for 30,000 miles, and it still happens. Okay. So I don't, I haven't, and I haven't been able to definitively see a correlation between those. Okay. Well, you and I don't have that problem, 
and we probably drive it a little bit more like we stole it yes. than, than anybody else. So it's really a matter of there, there, you, there are times you put it to the floor and get to the speed limit. You know, just rough house it a little bit, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Hi, my name's Christina Stumble, and I own Farm Girl Flowers in San Francisco. With my Spark Cash Card from Capital One, I earn unlimited 2% cash back on all my business purchases. Last year, I redeemed $115,000 in cash back. Yeah, $115,000. And that doubled our digital marketing budget for the summer. Thanks to my Spark Card, we had our best summer yet. Imagine what the Spark Card from Capital One could do for your business. What's in your wallet? Real Capital One customers pay for real stories. Credit approval required. Captain Eric Lawrence was training Afghan soldiers when his truck was hit by an IED. I was on the way from Kandahar to Klot, uh, hit an IED that just took the truck and threw it up in the air and slammed it on the ground. I knew at first that I, I got hurt pretty bad because I couldn't move my legs. I sat home alone for months. I didn't want that anymore. I wanted to go back to work. I was hesitant at first, you know, because I didn't work for a good year. I want to be a productive person. I want to be a drain on society. I want to be a positive thing in society. PBA helped me write my resume, got me a job interview. I got the job. Helping veterans like Eric is what we've done for over 65 years. Paralyzed Veterans of America, paving access for veterans' employment through Operation PAVE. For more information, visit pva.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up, make a pledge, tutor a child who needs help, mentor a kid who needs someone on their side, volunteer to read to children, make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. Path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. All righty, 45 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. My name's Mark Salem, and let me tell you real quick about Harker's Automotive. He's at 38th Avenue in Indian School. His name is Bob. His wife, Ellen, runs the front counter. Bob runs the shop. And Bob is one of the best diagnosticians I know. He does oil changes, and he does engine replacements, and he does major work on just about any cars. But what Bob is especially good at is when you start a conversation with, I've had this to four shops, and nobody even knows if it's spark or if it's fuel, or if it's a ground or if it's a power problem. They don't know. If you can demonstrate the problem, if you can be real specific about the problem, Bob can hit a home run almost all the time. There's something that's going to stump him every once in a while where, like in our shop, we're going to get stumped twice a month and we just tell the customer, you got to wait till it gets worse and easier to find. Bob's probably got a better record than that. So if you've got a car and nobody can fix it, or if you need an oil change and you're near 38th Avenue in Indian School, then Harker's Automotive is a good place to go. Let's go to the phones. Pete, Pete, you're up first. 
Good morning. I have got myself into a little bit of a pickle. Okay. And I have a 2007 Hyundai Santa Fe, the GLS model. Okay. And uh, some time ago, I called the station and, or I called the program, and it was determined that I needed new engine mounts, which I kind of figured I did since it was vibrating uh, rather roughly. Well, as it turns out, uh, being frugal, I decided I would do this job myself, which is the beginning of jumping into the pickle jar. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did order some uh, parts and got some and proceeded to proceed. Uh, when I got to the transmission mount, there's four of them, three engine mounts in the transmission mount on the driver's side. Uh, I was jacking the car up, and I had a slight snap. Now, the snap, um, I thought it wasn't where the transmission was. I had it properly jacked, and I had it up on a couple of two-by-sixes, so it was a little higher off the ground to start with. Uh, the snap was more where the rear mount was. So okay. I think I broke that mount while I was jacking it up. As it turns out, the transmission mount was completely disintegrated, and the engine had come down a little on that side. Um, so I did get all of that mount replaced, and everything seemed pretty good. And lo and behold, when I get to about 15 miles an hour, I get this wobble that goes away within a few more miles Okay, now hour. hold on just a minute. This story can't go on forever. But when you say a wobble, is the steering wheel shaking left and right, or the steering no. wheel that Wait, I, I need to ask a question here. Oh, sorry. All right? Is the steering wheel shaking left or right, or do you feel it in the seat of your pants? Why don't you describe the wobble? I feel it in the seat of my pants. Okay. And the faster you go, the worse the wobble? No, it disappears. Okay. All right. Well, the seat of your pants would suggest that it's in the back end of the car, but go ahead. Okay. As as I was continuing along with the jacking, uh, at some point things shifted, and I don't know how, but the car came off the two by sixes. Okay. Went down the trans. Uh, the jack had under under the transmission had turned. Okay. And that that sent the block of wood flying out. And there's nothing leaking. So that's it came down, and it, it shifted to the driver's side. Okay. And it came down. All no right. injuries, but no blood. What What's the question at the end of this? What could be causing this wobble? Okay, Did well, I break the mount, the rear well, mount? You know, we can all guess what it might be. But the issue is, is that's not how we fix things. Okay, you got to have it diagnosed. I can't possibly tell you what you did. I mean, I, okay. I can't, and neither can anybody else. But you can get on YouTube and get a hold of the three-whiskered kid in St. Louis. <laughs> the, the only thing, the only thing I can I can tell you is, is that's a front-wheel drive. Right. So so if you were to break an axle, was just the first thing I was thinking of an axle shaft or something like that. Well, he said that it, it, an axle would have okay in the steering wheel. Right. You'd feel it in the steering wheel. So butt indicates rear. I mean, what in the front could 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 cause... Like I said, yeah. it's a waste of time to guess right, because right. that's not it. I guarantee you that any gray-haired 
guy that's worth his salt that has a master technician certification that actually is current, he's going to drive that car, he's going to wreck that car, and he'll tell him exactly what's the matter. Yeah, no, I I've... think the diagnostic time on that would be probably no less than 65 and probably no more than a buck and a quarter. Mm-hmm. But he's gonna, he might have to do some work on it. Yes, it could be an axle. It could be the outer joint or the inner joint. Right. He could have pulled one of them apart and taken the snap ring out. Now we had a boot that's, that's got a snap ring floating around inside. Exactly. So it's really a matter of diagno- diagnosing it. it it's, you're going to end up taking it to a shop, or, or unless you want to continue guessing, and certainly you're, no. you're welcome to do that. But just take it to a shop and say to them, not on a Monday morning or Friday afternoon for obvious reasons, take it to them and say, <laughs> Um, can you have one of your techs um, take a ride? I promise not to have him longer than 15 minutes, and I just want to demonstrate my problem, and I'd like you to diagnose it and then give me an estimate. That's the appropriate language that you use. So that's really all. And then it'll, all that questions will be answered. How did, how, right now we got, we got a problem, and we think we know how it happened, but we don't really know how it happened. And I can tell you the answer right. to your question is you didn't break an, uh, one of your engine mounts because the engine mount just doesn't do it at just 15 miles an hour. Well, not only that is is that the engine mount is a, is a big rubber pillow. Right. So you can raise it up, and you can probably pick the car off the ground by the frame and let the motor dangle, and you're not going to rip up a new motor mount. Right, right. So I, I don't think that you do you hurt the bad motor mount. Um, I think what you just and, – and again, <laughs> trying to guess what it is is, is a waste of time. Once somebody looks at it, then the question, you look him in the eye and say, how sure are you that this is going to fix my wobble I've, that I've already demonstrated? And he goes, well, I'm 100% sure that's your man. But if he's yeah. guessing, he goes, well, it could be the rear motor. It could be this. It could be that. It could be this or that. And, you know, what, let's start. Which one do you want me to start at the three on the menu? You say, you know what, let me give, let me give that some thought and get the heck out of there. So that's really where we're at. I got to go to Nick, but thank you very much, Pete. That was a good question. At the end of the day, nobody knows what's wrong. Right. But once we diagnose it, we will. Nick, you're up next. Okay, Mark. I have a question about gas cap, but before that, I have a Mark Salem moment. Yeah, okay. I don't know if again was radio appropriate. So, yeah, <laughs> and I'm so glad your son is there. And a motor, a motor is electric. And engine is internal combustion. Um, and, and who said it wrong? Did I say it wrong, or did he? You, you know, you you, you talk about okay, you know, the motor, this motor, that motor. Well, I was talking about the window motor. motor. <laughs> you know what? That is the quick wit right there that us, our family has. And and you no, know, you're you're absolutely right. But that's, that's the only good, people, the only people that pick good. that up is people that have five divorces and five women have said to them, get the hell out of my life. And so it's okay with us. It's okay with us. It's all, You didn't hurt our feelings. Okay. Okay. All right. Do gas caps ever go bad? Oh, gosh. You know, uh, I, 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 you know let me change your question. Let me change your question. Okay. Mark, in in the hundred or so cars you've owned since you were 18, 16, 18 years old, have you ever replaced a gas cap with respect to maintenance? No. Mark, no, no, repla- no. I, I don't mean maintenance. You know, on the newer cars, uh, this is a 2009, okay, if the gas cap isn't on tight, it, the check engine light comes on. You know that that happens, but I would I'm going to venture a guess that 80 percent of the time when we have an evaporative code 
That means we're sucking the fumes off the tank and sending them to the motor to be used. That's the evaporative right. system. 80% yeah. of the time, it's not the gas cap. And here's how come I know that? Because virtually everybody that brings their car in for an evaporative coat, when we open the gas door, it's already got a brand new cap on it. Now, what has to happen, here's the one, two, three. You got a gas cap coat. You got an evaporative coat. The three-whiskered kid at the auto parts store tells you it's an evaporative coat. He can't give you a number. He has to tell you what the circuit is that the computer's identified as being defective. So he sells you okay. a, 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 a gas cap. We got to pull the negative yeah. cable off of it. We got to wave the negative cable around our head and cuckoo like a rat three times. Okay, and then you put the negative cable back and we've wiped the memory clean on the computer. So now you drive it. If the light comes on and the code's the same, it's not the gas cap. If the light comes on and the code's the same, then it's, it's going to be a bad solenoid. It's going to be a broken line. It's going to be a melted line. It's going to be a canister. It's going to be solenoids that open and close different lines. So that's what it's going to be. But I'm saying 80% of the evaporative codes do not include a gas cap. But I will tell you okay. this. That I will tell you this. It's always the first thing we check. Uh-huh. And of those... And of those <laughs> Uh, of those 80% that he's talking about, 80% are not related to the gas cap. I would even almost venture a guess to say it's more like 90%. 5% of those are a gas cap, and 5% of, you know, half and half is incorrectly putting on the gas cap, not putting on the gas cap, not turning the gas cap all the way. Which is ratcheting. Right, right. We yeah, need, yeah, yeah. We need yeah. two or three ratchets. So the answer to your right. question is yes, they can go bad. Yes, we do replace them. Sometimes we replace them twice because some of them are super <laughs> finicky, uh, which is, that, that, that's a lot of fun. You know, you, you put a new one on, the same code comes back, and then you, you go through the entire vehicle again and come back to a faulty gas cap. That happens also. But but typically it's something else. Well, and then there's also a good idea. You can put a little spit on the big O-ring on it to make sure you got a good. You look at the neck to make sure it's not damaged from somebody who's yeah. you know half blind, sticking a nozzle in there and tearing up the neck and stuff like that. Um, and obviously you need to close them until they click click a couple of different times. Now right. there's also right. a gas cap that I love, and that's a stamped cap. S T A N T. That's the guy yep. that makes most everybody else's. And there is some cheap son of a guns out there that, you know, the customer puts on, where's the box? We look at it. It's from China. It's from Japan. It's from Indonesia. And maybe it's from South America. What doesn't make any difference. The stamp is $22, and this one is $6.95. That tells me all yeah. I need to know. So, Yeah, uh, Mr. Mr. Right. Radiator Cap also. Yeah, and a radiator cap as well. You you bring up a good yeah. point. It's those, and, and these... that, was, that, was a, that was a great quick comeback about the motor. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? It that happens to us, and all you can do is laugh. There's no way I think Nick is trying to rip me apart or embarrass no, me. No, no. If if you ever if you ever come to if you ever come to our shop, you, you you'll understand really fast that if I can't <laughs> well, take it, I I give out more jokes and and. And harass and play jokes on more people than I'll ever get played on myself. But, but in, in defense of, uh, to, to further explain what you just said, first of all, you're six foot four. Second of all, you run the entire <laughs> shop. So you can play all the jokes and you tease those guys all you want, but I can tell you that Ron doesn't care that you tease him. No, that's what I'm saying. Eddie doesn't care. Adam doesn't but, care. But, but they would care if when they teased me that I got, you know, <laughs> P.O. Well, you know? I'm a plumber, and everybody refers to water heaters as a hot water heater. Uh-huh. That's, that's, they don't, no, it's not. It's a cold water heater. 
never thought uh, of it that way. Nick, you, yeah, thank you very much. i got about 30 seconds before the end, er, the end of this hour. We're going to take another hour, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. Alan Salem is here. He's the clown, um, he, and he's also a very technical person. And then Mark Salem, I've been a master for 25, 30 years, and we'll help you the best we can. But if this is give us the symptoms and then we're going to ask you questions. So give us year, make, and model, and mileage. Then tell us the symptoms. We're going to ask you questions, and we're going to hopefully get as close as we can. But telling us about all the repairs you've done doesn't even do anything because none of them fixed your car. 602-508-0960. I'm Mark Salem, and we'll be back in about three minutes. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.